can hear me? Happy Sunday morning, everyone. Welcome to part three of our series titled Tobit, a divine love narrative for Hollywood and edification. If this is your first part or you missed any of the first two parts, I would encourage you to check out the San Mark ATL YouTube channel or our podcast to get caught up. But we are jumping right into a literally crappy situation. The year is 721 B.C., and the narrative of the story, just so I can fill you in, just in case, make sure we're all on the same page. We literally have a crappy situation on our hand as it involves a messy situation of poop in someone's eye, a dad's eye. And the dad's name is Tobit. As Tobit is in a very depressive mood because he's, he's blind from the bird poop and things are not going well, he sends his son and says, listen, just in case I die, I'm not getting any younger. I, I lend some money to a friend uh, uh, kind of far away. I need you, son, to go get this money. But hey, I don't want you to go by yourself. I want to make sure that you, son, which is my yellow dude right here, I need you to go with a, with a friend, with a companion partner, which ends up being a guardian angel, uh, St. Raphael, and go with, go with our dog, Sparky. Well, we don't know the dog's name. Let's just call him Sparky. They go on this journey. As they're going on a journey, they decide to stop by a body of water. And as they're at the body of water, there's a huge mass of fish that basically attacks Tobias's leg, the son. And, and, it, and the, the guardian angel, his companion, says, hey, kill that fish. We need to take parts of that fish. We're going to need it for later on in the journey. And Tobias is like, okay, this is kind of weird. But anyway, let's go. As they're, journeying on, they're going along in this journey, I was about to say journeying on this journey, but they're going on this journey. They're kind of tired. They're exhausted. They're fatigued. So the, the, St. Raphael says, who he's, he's in disguise as an angel. His name is Azarius. So he says, hey, Tobias, it's kind of getting long. Let's, I want you to, well, let's stop at one of your relative's house. We can crash there for the night, get some rest. Uh, but hey, did you know what? At this relative's house of yours that we're going to, like, there, there's, a, there, there's, there's a girl that, that's kind of close to your age. And, and hey, man, you, know, you never know. Maybe you guys can, you know, you know, date and see if this can work out. And, and Tobias is like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that because she's been engaged seven times. She's been engaged seven times, and all seven of those guys end up dying. So I'm not doing that because I'm about to be the eighth guy to die. I ain't for that life. I'm not doing that. So, 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 uh, so Tobias is like, I'm not for it. They have this discussion back and forth, and they end up going. But as, but like, I rewind a little bit. As Tobit is telling his son as they go on this journey, Tobit gives his son Tobias classic timeless life advice. He gives him classic Timeless life advice before he goes on this journey. And this is equivalent to me, a father telling his son some life advice before he goes off to college, before he kind of leaves the home that he kind of grew up in. The first advice that Daddy Tobit told his son Tobias before leaving the house on this journey, he said, Son, Tobias, I need you to fight consumerism. Fight consumerism. Fight the reflex of you want to do what's best for you. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what's best for me. I want you to fight that reflex. And the best way to fight that reflex is to live a life of almsgiving, of giving of yourself. Offer yourself to others. If you have been entrusted with much, you need to make sure that you give of yourself in every capacity. This will help you fight consumerism. Let's face it. We all fall into this trap of what's in it for me. What does this have to offer me? What does Amazon Prime have to offer me? What's in it for me? Everything is me, me, me. We all fall into that struggle. But the, the, the father is telling his son, listen, you got to fight that. I know the urge is there to just do what's best for you, but I want you to rewire your, your brain to not fall into the trap of consumerism. This is where you will find the fullness of life if you push to offer yourself and live for things bigger than yourself. That was his first advice. Second advice that Daddy Tobit gave his son Tobias is fight individualism. Fight individualism. He was telling him, listen, come on, you're not the first 20 or 30-year-old guy, and you're not the last. 
There are people that are a few steps ahead of you in life. Why don't you seek counsel from them? Why don't you seek advice? Don't feel like you got it all under control. You keep on telling people around you, you got it. Nobody understands me. You don't get it. Don't fall into that trap. Fight individualism. Since you are created to be a, a, a relational being, if this is your nature, to be in community, then fight the urge for individualism, to do what's best for you. Don't, to fight that. Like you, are, you need to lean on others. You're not the first person in the situation, and you're not the last. So why not seek counsel and wisdom and advice and mentors from those who maybe can give you a great perspective from, from looking outside in? So this is the second advice that Daddy Tobit told his son, Tobias. The third advice he told him is fight unhealthy outlets. Fight unhealthy outlets. So Daddy Tobit is telling him, okay, I know life is stressful. I know this journey is about to be stressful, but I want you to, 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 to not to lean onto toxic outlets that lead to more damage. So he's saying, I don't, want you to get, I don't want you to lean on alcohol to the point of drunkenness. Don't let that be like your go-to thing. When anxiety and pressure and life gets really tough, don't just hold on to that and, and then just release that energy by, by, by alcohol. You need to find healthy outlets that can edify you. That can, that, that can be best for your health in every sense of the word. Do not lean on unhealthy, toxic outlets. And I love this advice because if we, if we really look inside ourselves, when we think, when we go through the hardships and stress of the week, what's our outlet? Is it YouTube? Is it scrolling away? Is, is it just kind of going numb by, by this drug, by this alcohol, by this habit? What is our outlet? And, and Tobit is giving his life advice. Fight unhealthy outlets. Rewire yourself to lean on healthy outlets that edify you as opposed to toxic outlets. Those are the three advice. My fourth one, I couldn't find a, a, a short way to, to put it. So the fourth advice that Tobit gave his son is pursue the sacramental union of marriage with the primary intent of holiness as opposed to happiness. That's my paraphrase. He, obviously, he didn't say these words just like that. But Tobit is saying, telling his son, pursue the sacramental union of marriage with the primary intent for holiness as opposed to happiness. What does this mean? Tobit was telling his son, listen, kid, you're young. I know you're getting feelings, and I know, like, you find this girl attractive, and I know you're probably inside of you thinking of marriage. And I love it. That's great. That's from God. I love that. But do not fall into the trap where you are off balance by your sexual drive that you fall into a trap with this girl that you, are, you, you, you end up telling yourself, oh, we have great chemistry, we both get alike, we both get along, we both like the same food, and don't fall into that trap that, that you just, quote-unquote, fall in love. That doesn't exist. Don't fall into that. Do not be clouded by your vision emotionally. Don't be clouded sexually that you cannot be able to see clearly in front of you if this union, if this partnership is for your edification. But I want you to pursue dating. I want you to pursue marriage. Not just because it's a contract or just because that's the society norm. No. Let your primary drive for marriage not be sexually, not be emotionally, but let it be for the sacramental union of marriage. Let its primary intent be for your holiness as opposed for your happiness. I cannot tell you how many marriages check out from each other or either they end up living as roommates or there's a wedge because... They realize, oh, I'm not happy anymore. All right, time to move on. Because their agenda of moving forward in marriage is, is this making me happy? Is this making me happy? I'm dating this person. Am I happy or not? Am I happy or not? As opposed to being driven, is this for my edification? 
Of course, do I need to assess all factors? Absolutely. But Tobit is telling his son, listen, do not fall into the trap of just finding any chick and say, yeah, we're going to get married because we both like each other. Or we both work for the same company. Don't fall into that. You, that's fine. That might be the case. That might be the case. But let the agenda of you dating determine what's the bedrock of your foundation. Determine what's the bedrock. Is it the divine designer of marriage or is it your own view of, of, of your union? Pursue the sacramental union of marriage with the primary intent for holiness as opposed to happiness. Daddy Tobit tells his son Tobias, gives him this advice. They go on this journey. Dog, Tobias, Angel, which is named Azarius, but in disguise, he's actually uh, St. Raphael. They go on this journey. Then they end up stopping at the relative's house to crash for the night. And they get to, um, they get to the house of Ragul. The dad, his name is Ragul, which is such a cool name. His name is Ragul, and he has a daughter named Sarah. So as they get to the house, they're a little bit hesitant because, like, am I about to be, like, the eighth guy to die? Like, there's a lot of stress going on, so they don't know what's about to happen. They walk through the house, and then Ragul, the man of the house, ends up, you know, kind of sparking this conversation with Tobias and his friend, Azarius, the angel. We're picking in chapter 7 here. Ragul said to Tobias, my son, Tobias, eat, drink, be glad, for it is fitting for you to marry my child. However, I got to tell you the truth. I gave my daughter to seven men. And when they went into her, they died during the night. But hey, but for now, just be glad. Okay, I'm just, hey, I'm, I just wanted, I'm just, disclaimer, don't, don't, you know, my case, well, you might die, so you, you can't sue me afterward. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you the truth. But for now, let's party it up, man. Let's party it up. But hey, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just clearing my conscience. I'm telling you. But let's party it up. Let's be glad. Let's be merry. Let's have a great time tonight. What I admire so much about Ragul is that he was not blinded by his own selfish ambition of wanting to get his daughter married. That he was transparent. He was open. And he told the truth, even though it hurt. I mean, if, if, come on, let's face it. If we were Ragul... We want our kid to be married and like, okay, seven is enough. This might be good. Let's just let's, let's make this work. I, I, I need to sell it. <laughs> so I, don't, I need to cover up the truth. But what I admire so much about Ragul is he ends up telling the truth. And, he, and, he, and he's very transparent with Tobias. When we are transparent and truthful with ourselves, this is where we find life. But when we end up, find, we end up drifting into two versions of ourselves, the Sunday version of us is always the best version. But the Sunday version of us, and then throughout the week, is another version. This is where the tension within us just kills us. And some of us have become masters of the two versions. We know how to, when I'm with this group of friends, I know how to press this button. When I'm with this group of friends, I know how to press that button. Some of us know how to master that ver those two versions perfectly. But what I love about Ragul is that he's such a man of integrity. Even the word integrity. He's whole, an integer. He's, 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 he's a whole man. He knows that who he is is who he is. And he's going to be honest and transparent and real with those in front of him. Even though he has a, 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 a hidden agenda of wanting to get his, wife, his, his daughter married. But don't get me wrong. But his transparency, his truthfulness, as we'll see in, in the narrative, ends up being for his benefit. What is Tobias' answer? But Tobias said to Ragul, I will not eat anything until after you establish an agreement with me. He's saying, okay, great, I appreciate you being honest, but if we're going to move forward, before we get so clouded by partying and, and drinking, and, and not drinking, but, but having a good time tonight and, and, and eating, before we get stuck on that, we need to write this out. 
like if, if we're going to move forward, I want to make sure that I date intentionally, on purpose, and not just passively. So Ragul called Sarah, his daughter, and taking her by the hand, he gave her to be a wife for Tobias. Obviously, this narrative is shrunk. There's the, 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 the dating scene has been kind of condensed or eliminated, but go along with me on the story. So, so Ragul, the dad, called Sarah, his daughter, and taking her by the hand, he gave her to be a wife for Tobias. This is a Judaic tradition that the father or, 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 or an elder is taking the, 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 the hand of, of, of one partner and giving it to the other to reflect the union, that there is a third party that's guiding the union of the two. This Judaic tradition, this is, this is a story from 721 BC, and obviously this tradition has existed before, continues till today. For those who get engaged or married in the church, we don't come and just say, hey, this is fun, let's pray a little bit, and then, and then let's have a meal together. No. The church unifies the two into becoming one. Actually, a nice tradition that I love is that I was told for, for engagements and weddings is that the priest, reflecting the church, puts the ring halfway on the, on the finger. And then the partner, the spouse, the fiancé, puts the other way. Does it matter? If, no, who cares? But it reflects an eternal truth that the union of these two people is not because they both have great chemistry or they both have their, their, their personality assessment are the same. No, but it's God grafting them together into him. So the church is saying what's uniting you two is God himself. So with the cross in the priest's hand is uniting the two together. It's not our view of engagement or marriage is not a contract, is not a, a societal optics. Like if people want to view marriage from differently, that's fine. But we're looking at the divine designer to determine how marriage should be approached. So Ragul called Sarah his daughter and taking her by the hand, he gave her to be a wife for Tobias. Then he said, Behold, receive her according to the decree of Moses and bring her before your father. He then blessed them and summoned his wife Edna, which is a great name, Rogul and Edna. Edna. She took a scroll and wrote out the agreement. They sealed it, and then they began to have the reception. Edna, the wife, pulls out an agreement. So now we see one Judaic custom of, 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 of a hand uniting Tobias and Sarah, that there is a third party guiding the two in dating, in engagement, and in marriage, which is the church. Then Edna is writing a, a, an agreement that's part of the, 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 the marriage. And I, I, wanted to, I know this reflects, I know this truth is, is a reality in, the, in, in our pre-denominational church, that this custom still continues, that there is a contract, an agreement, not a contract in the legalistic view, but that the writing it, you know, it, it is, is part of the custom and tradition of a union. So I started Googling, okay, Coptic Orthodox agreement for, uh, for marriage. And, and, I, and, I, and I said, you know, good-looking groom contract for marriage. So I ended up finding this picture. And uh, so this is uh, my great spiritual father, Father Luke, and I'm signing a contract, not the contract, an agreement in our marriage. So this custom still continues. It's a Judeo custom 
that has continued on in which we do in marriage. After this, Ragul, Sarah's dad, called his wife Edna and said to her, Honey, pumpkin, prepare the upper room, the other room, and lead her into it. She did as he said and led her there. Then Sarah wept, understandably. But Edna understood the tears of her daughter and said to her, Be courageous, my daughter, my, my child. May the Lord of heaven and earth give you grace instead of the sorrow of yours. Be courageous, my daughter. A question that we're discussing in my life group, and we'll discuss this Thursday. What's the most courageous thing you've ever done? What's the riskiest, courageous thing you've ever done? And I want you to think through this, and I want you to discuss this in your life. What's the most courageous thing you've ever done? And I see the courage of, of Sarah. She has had defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. What, what gives her the courage, the support, the boldness to say, you know what? I have the support of, of, of my parents. I have the support of, 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 of those around me that I'm going to take this next courageous step. When they finished dining, they led Tobias to her. While both were enclosed in the room, this is their wedding night, Tobias rose up from the bed and said, Arise, sister, and let us pray. First time I read this, <laughs> I said, that was the last thing on my mind on my wedding night. And here's Tobias saying, Arise, sister, and let us pray that the Lord will have mercy upon us. So Tobias began to pray, saying, what on earth can a prayer look like? Maybe you don't even might have the mindset for prayer. You've just had the wedding reception. And you are extremely nervous if you're about to be the eighth guy to die. What does your prayer look like? Tobias says this. Blessed are you, O God of our fathers. And blessed is your holy and glorious name unto the ages. The heavens and all your creatures bless you. You made Adam and gave him Eve as a helper, his wife as a support. From them the seed of mankind came to be. You said it is not good for the man to be alone. Let us make a helper for him like himself. O oh Lord, I now take this, my sister, as my wife. Not on account of just selfish sexual desires. Not, yes, do I have a, a beautiful desire within me, a drive, a sexual drive that comes from God? Yes. Is that my primary intent for this sacramental union? No. Is it there? Absolutely. Not on account of fornication, but in truth. Because you are the divine designer of the sacramental union of marriage. And I want to find truth in this union. Not for my own selfish needs. Not purely for a, a flesh lustful uh, desire. No, but for the beauty of truth. What a powerful prayer. That he begins by blessing God. And says, Lord, you have this, like, this, I'm part of the narrative. Uh, you have gifting humanity. Not individualism but companionship, and I want, I want to pursue that. You have, given, you have given humanity that. Here we are consummating the marriage, and, I, and, and you have given me as a partner 
for us as two broken people to move forward and to find wholeness, to find life. I honestly believe there is no such thing as marriage problems. I honestly believe there's no such thing as marriage problems. There is people, broken people, that have problems that end up getting married. I don't believe in marriage problems. I believe there are broken people. And I come into marriage broken. My wife comes into marriage broken. And we make it work because our eyes are locked into the divine designer of marriage. And it requires me to die to my selfishness in order to live for, the, for my spouse and ultimately for the divine designer of the sacramental union. There's no such thing as marriage problems. It's problems with us, and then we end up getting married. I love this prayer, and I love how Tobias says, in truth. I'm not doing this for selfish. And he begins this prayer by saying, let us arise, let us stand for prayer. What does this remind me of? In the liturgical sense, every time we pray, what is the priest saying? Let us pray. And, and the deacon is guiding us to pray. What does the deacon say? Let us stand up, not just physically, but me mentally, spiritually. Let us be attentive. Let us stand in prayer. So they're coming with, with maybe a little bit of energy they have left after the reception. And they say, let us stand in prayer together as one. Let us stand in prayer. And then he says, I'm not doing this purely out of fornication. No, what's driving me is truth. I'm not doing this for just happiness. No, my drive is holiness. And he, and, he, and he says this. And this made me start thinking. The prayers that we pray, our ancient prayers for a, a crowning ceremony, for a wedding ceremony, the church prays, the, prays these words. In the name of our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the founder of the statute of perfection and the author of the law of graces. What on earth does that mean? The, the very initial prayer, but even before the Thanksgiving prayer, the church says, the founder, we're praying in the name of God, our Savior, who is the founder of the statute of perfection. He is the founder of the law that leads to perfection. He is the founder of the law that leads to perfection and the author of the law of graces. We declare in this orthodox assembly and before the altar of the Lord of hosts, the union of possession and the marriage of the blessed Orthodox son X and the blessed Orthodox daughter Y. This is the approach that the church has. That what's, you, you, what's grafting these two into the triune God is not that they both look, they look cute together and we're celebrating and wish we had. No, what's uniting them as two is the founder of the statute of perfection and the author of the law of graces. It's the divine designer of marriage that's unifying them too. This is why, one of the most beautiful things I love, in my wedding, and for those who are married, you didn't say a word during your ceremony. You didn't say a word. Because our words carry very little. And let's face it, what we say sometimes doesn't end up becoming true. Our words are little, but what's uniting is not a vow. And there's nothing wrong with that tradition. There's nothing wrong with that tradition. But what, what unites me and my, spouse and my wife together is not my vow. It's the founder. Who, who, the founder of the law of perfection. It is the author of the law of graces. This is, this is who unifies me as a husband to my wife. The statute of divine marriage, the law of divine marriage, is one spiritual exercise that leads to holiness. 100% you can pursue perfection and pursue a, a life of holiness outside of marriage. Absolutely. But Tobias understood, okay, God has opened these doors in my life 
and, that it, and, 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 and things have been going well so far with Sarah. So I want this not to be for sexual expression of, of fornication. I want this to be driven by truth, by the statute and the founder and the statute of perfection. I want, I want, I want that to be the driving force in order for me to lead a life of holiness as opposed to me falling into the societal trap of me being happy. Yes, can I, I, of course, both go together, but my primary agenda is holiness. Tobias continues. Command that she, Sarah, and I may have mercy, and in this grow old together. Isn't that cute? End of the prayer, maybe we grow old together. And with him, she said, amen, Tobias. Then both fell asleep for the night. Does Tobias wake up? Or is he the eighth guy to die? We'll figure that out next week. <laughs> you guys have the Bible. You can, you can read it yourself. <laughs> you can find out by yourself. You don't have to wait till next Sunday. So now Tobias has his honey. Got the marriage. He's about to continue on his journey in order to get the money. Let's stand up and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, regardless if we are in this room, married or not married or pursuing marriage, I pray that all of us can have a clear view and understanding of the beauty of the sacramental union of marriage. That we are surrounded all around us, in, in online, in, in our workplaces, and at school, that marriage can be defined in a very relative and evolving way. But you are the definition of truth. You are the founder of the law of perfection and the author of the law of graces. And our eyes are on you. We come to you with our brokenness, with our selfishness, with our hyper-individualism, thinking that we know what's best. And we come to you with our sins desiring to be made new, desiring to be made whole. Lord, I pray that we can pursue marriage regardless, and we can view marriage regardless if we are married or not, that we can view it in truth, that we can view it as a spiritual exercise of holiness as opposed to it only being driven by happiness. Lord, I pray that this narrative, that this story of Tobit that you have given us and that has been handed down to us throughout the centuries is not only text, not only a manuscript of history, but it also is where we can find edification, is where we can find life. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'll see you guys next week.